Oh, that's fancy. Yo, you like that? I love that. <laughs> Rocking that... high school, baby. I love it. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? Oh, I am just living the dream. Just trying, yeah. trying to stay cool. How the how is the weather out there? Is it uh, is it on the warmer side? Uh, yeah. The, there's been a couple days where I swear it's been like 50 degrees in the morning, but like clear blue sky. But like other than that, it's like 75 all the time. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, and all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it gets boring, but it does kind of get boring after a while. You're like, God damn it, where's the snow? I, I need some snow to you know to have the snow days and do puzzles with Morgan. I I need more time. I need more time in the house. <laughs> That's right. Uh, how is it back home right now? Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, fifty during the day. You know, wake up, it's thirty five. It's been like that for two weeks. Nice. We're supposed, okay. get, we're supposed to get a little bit of precipitation in the next couple of days, but who knows? I mean, it's been so mild this this winter. I mean, we were joking the other day. I'm like, we could have got this. We actually have better weather in Billings than we did in than they do in Sacramento right now. I mean, it's colder, it's wetter, it's I mean, they're just getting they're floating away. California's yeah. gonna fall off the ocean off the uh, off the map, which isn't the worst thing in the world, I guess. I mean, who's gonna miss Sacramento anyway? Yeah. There's a couple people I'll miss, but there's a lot that I won't. Yeah, that <laughs> uh, is that is that where you're from like originally like where where you like grew up or like how did you end up in Sacramento? So I grew up. I was born and raised in the Bay Area, East Bay. You know, so you know, Pinole, Berkeley. You know that little corridor of of the Bay Area. I was I was in. It was you know good times. You know, blue collar middle class family. Um. And then when I got into the workforce, I first started off as, you know, just kind of an IT guy and then got into IT leadership and then IT leadership led me to public schools. So I was, you know, a CIO in, um, you know, in public schools for about 15 years before I moved to the dark side of sales. And when you're in California selling software to the government, you tend to gravitate towards Sacramento. So that's how how I ended up in in that neck of the woods. Gotcha. Yeah. No, it's, I try and trying to remember when we were there because I so I was originally born in Oregon and then uh, we ended up moving to Rockland, which, which I know is somewhere around Sacramento. Correct. That was the town I lived in. No way. <laughs> yeah. <true>. It's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, we were right off sixty five. Okay, yeah. So I, we lived in Rockland for I want to say like three or four years when I was like a kid up until like first or second grade, and that's how I ended up uh, move ended up moving to Washington State, and then obviously out to Montana. So small world, that's so funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> this little town called Rockland, about Rockland. That's home. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. To- that's funny. Okay, right on. So. From, from I guess, how did you end up in Montana then? I feel, I feel like that's a hell of a move. Uh, it is. I mean, so my kids are now 21 and 20, and um, 
divorced, you, you know, so they, we were splitting time in Rockland, you know, so they were, you know, with me half the time, then with mom half the time. Mm-hmm. Then when my daughter graduated, she said, you know what? I need to get out of, you know, this space. I need to become my own human. And so she left the state and went to Arizona to go to Grand Canyon University to pursue her teaching credential. Nice. Mom, um, whose parents relocated from Colorado to Surprise, which is, I guess, Northwest Phoenix area. Um, and so they were down there and my ex had always wanted to live close to her parents. So once the kids got out of high school, she said, well, you know what, it's time for me to go relocate and do that. So my son wanted to, yeah, let's see, trying to say this, you know, politically correct. He didn't want to have to follow the rules of dad's house. So he decided to go with mom down to, to Arizona and, you know, Aaron and I, my wife were like, okay, well, we're in California. We're looking for something different. And then we got a call from her uncle who's got the early stages of dementia popping up. Mm -hmm. And so my wife had gone through 20 years of early onset Alzheimer's with her mom so she was very skilled in being able to provide extra help for that. So we're like, all right, if we can move out to an area where we have, you know, more freedom, less, you know, government oversight and control and mandates on us than we did in California, and we can provide, you know, some extra, you know, extra care for her uncle, it's a win-win. So that's how we ended up out here. We came out, uh, was it Labor Day weekend in 2022 for a week? You know, stayed out at Haishon for a little while with our cousin, and then you know, just did all of our exploring and buildings, and we just we fell in love with with the whole area. Oh, okay. I yeah. I I don't I honestly don't hear a lot of people say they fall in love with Billings, Montana. So it's the whole surrounding area. I'm a I love. <laughs> I love the wide open space. I love driving to Eastern Montana. That's like, you know, by far my favorite. Cause you have, you know, you're surrounded by the rim rocks as you're driving, you know, down and you're, you know, following along the Yellowstone river. And then you got, you know, thousands and thousands of big round hay bales. And every time I drive, you know, I'm driving out to, you know, Savage or Glendive or wherever I'm like, ah. I just need to sell enough software so I can buy a ranch and get on a John Deere. Just, that's that's all I want. <laughs> you getting close? No. <laughs> no. No. I'm probably farther away now than I was, you know, when I had those dreams. Oh shit. <laughs> um, okay, since you've been out, have you have you kind of picked a side yet? Are you uh are you a cat's guy or are you uh you uh siding with old old grizzlies? Pretty um, go. I don't care, but we've we've chosen obligatory and we've chosen the cats. You're welcome. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went out to Missoula once. Um and it it reminded me of what I left in California. That, that I'll was, leave it, it I'll leave it at that. <laughs> that was kind of gonna be my next question. If you've kind of like visited like Missoula and Bozeman and kind of like um, 
So that we, we've had all those influx of Californians, not, not to throw you in, into that yeah. bucket of people, but like how, how does that kind of like the environments, like, does that, does that kind of remind you of like, like home? So that, that's interesting that you, you kind of bring that up that it's like, yeah, this is kind of what I left. So it's not fair. So I have to deal with it a little bit in my line of work because typically government officials and people who work for the government in any kind of administration role or IT role or procurement role, they tend to lean a little bit more leftish. And so I've kind of, I have developed kind of a skin of how to deal with those people without offending, you know, because the climate that we're in right now, I mean, it's, we're so polarized. So if I say that, you know, I'm, you know, a conservative Republican, um, you know, people who I've never met who don't know me, you know, I, I, we could be in the gym for months and months and months and be the best of friends around iron. But then as soon as they find out that I'm, you know, a conservative Republican, uh, you're the devil. I don't, don't you dare think about spotting me. Don't No, I, I don't want your wire brush to clean off my deadlift bar. I am fine. You are one of the others and we don't want to have anything to do with you. All right. Later Holmes. But you know, so yeah. I've had to deal with that a little bit in my, my line of work, be a little bit guarded in what I say, but in driving over and spending time in Bozeman, Missoula, and Helena, it does remind me of quite a bit, um, you know, of you know, of some of the, the the California bullshit that we that we were escaping. But for the, I mean, there's a good mixture though, where you have kind of the old guard of Montanans, you know, the ones with the uh, you know the three quarter ton, the full ton trucks with a cistern in the back. I see more trucks with cisterns in montana than i did seeing electric cars in california that's it's, it's it's pretty funny no i'm just so glad that we um didn't end up in a development where i needed to do that get a bigger truck with a cistern in the back so i could fill up my well <laughs> <laughs> uh what where at where adam billings are you guys are you guys more on the west end or we're up in the heights you're up in the heights too okay. yeah it's funny is that you know when we were looking at a 2d map for like six months prior to moving out here and trying to figure out what area we wanted to be in you know do we want to be on the west end where all the new development is do we want to be in the heights and be close to the airport and you just don't know and you know you're looking at a flat map and you're like, well, all right well the heights seem good but then when we got out here, like, oh God, I don't want to be in the heights at all. The there's too many cars on the street. There's no services. If we want something, we're still gonna drive to the West End anyway. And so, you know, we fell out of escrow in a couple of houses uh on the West End. And then, you know, Aaron showed me this picture of a of a house that we just it had just, you know, fallen out on. And it looked exactly the same. I'm, okay. I'll go look at it. I don't want to buy it. It looks too much. I'm heartbroken. I, we lost the last house. This one looks just like it. I don't want to get another puppy now. <laughs> as soon as we walk into the house, they had a doggy door built into the side of the wall going out for the, I'm like, all right, my eyes are open. This one here's a contender. 
and we just we fell in love with the area it's quiet it's kind of like this nice little area that's tucked away and in, in the heights so you don't have all the you know the the traffic you don't have all the cars on the driveway and all that so we're we just feel so blessed to have found this place at this at the time that we did that's awesome the, the only the only complaint i've ever really had about the heights is that there is not that i even like eat off my meal plan to begin with but like there's just no restaurant exactly exactly and i've had to start cooking for myself again i mean you know how it is you know you're you get into strength training and then you're like well how am i going to get better okay i'm going to focus on my weaknesses and you know for the first you know six months a year until you get wise you're thinking okay it's got to be are my toes pointed the right angle you know and you know this and then you're, you're thinking about all these you know things that you can control in the gym but really that's what 15 percent of the total results that we're going to get because so much of it is around you know nutrition and eating timing and all that stuff mm -hmm. um but you get you know you just get bored of it or you get fatigued of it and you're like okay i don't want to cook i mean i probably went you know a good nine months without you know prepping a proper meal for us for you know for the week or or whatever just because you have life that happens um but then you're like okay i'm on the west end i don't want pizza ranch again so i better watch a youtube video on how to make some some good food and you know just I, i've i've got the itch so now i've like you know i went out and discovered zest kitchen uh store that that okay. place is fabulous i picked up a potato ricer this weekend best thing ever all right um uh found out about a place called the meat palace one of the best butchers in in billings it's over on industrial over behind um you know like best buy and and all those places over there oh okay i guess you have king and then 24th comes this way, King's coming up this way, and then Industrial's the next one. Anyway, it's back over there. And then we found another place called Seafoods of the World. Kind of a, you know, a wholesaler, distributor, just around sea. Uh, forget about it. So we got, you know, we got crab and we got, you know, jumbo Mexican tiger prawns and, you know, pancetta and all kinds of, we're going to, we're going to have fun on, on Valentine's Day. <laughs> who, who, need, who needs to go out when you can barbecue king crab legs exactly dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly well shoot that sounds like it beats my my weekly costco run so that's i'm jealous costco and sam's club uh-huh that's that's our jam <laughs> where Wait. else are you going to get a 10 pound tube of uh of ground beef i mean that's a week's worth of food yeah dude <laughs> or it's or at least a couple of meals for me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, powerlifting, how, how, how did that, how did that become like your thing? I am the kind of guy who needs focus in the gym. Don't tell me to go work out because that's boring. Um, tell me why I need to go work out and then attach a goal to it. So it started off, you know, yo-yoing weight for years and years and years. And then I ultimately got control of, you know, of my weight. 
And my son at the time was a freshman in high school. And freshman in high school, they get around all their buddies in the gym playing football. And I'm a big man on campus. Watch how much I can bench press. So my son comes up to me one day after school and says, hey, dad, I bet you I can out squat you. And at the time I hadn't been squatting. I was doing more, you know, just isolation type type movements. Mm-hmm. So, all right, give me a month. And then we will actually squat. But if you want to do it now, I'll, I'll you know do some some leg pressing with you. So we go and you know we start leg pressing, and I think I got up to about six seven hundred for a couple reps, and I was feeling all right for an old man. I'm feeling pretty good. And this fourteen year old punk kid, you know, reps mine out for ten, and then puts on more and more and more. All right, that's the last time you're ever going to beat me. And to this day, he still never beat me, whether it's in the gym or on the platform. So we took it from there where we took that dad, I can squat more than you and turned that into, you know, a competition on the platform. And I fell in love with it. It was, you know, what I, what I needed because I had found out early on, like 18, 19, that bodybuilding and physique, you know, type competitions while I was very intrigued. I lack the discipline around nutrition to, to be successful at that. So when I found powerlifting, you know, like I can lift heavy weights, I can stroke my ego and I don't have to be super anal about my diet. I am in. And then I just fell in love with them. Like, it was like, okay, how can I get two and a half more pounds on, on my total on this lift? Or how can I address this weakness? Okay. My squat's stuck at 500. How can I, you know, what is it that I need to do? Is it a technique issue? Is it a weakness issue? And so it became this puzzle that I'm, you know, constantly trying to, to figure out and complete. And the great thing is, is that I probably never will figure it out completely. So I get to keep chasing it. Yeah. Uh, it's that that's the beauty of the gym right it's like there's there's never it's, you can never truly be satisfied with anything you do right so it's just always con- continual progress so that, yeah. that's my favorite thing about it too just always working for something for yourself so um yeah so so you you start you started powerlifting uh, you do you do a lot of coaching for that now too as well is I there- do I kind of I I take coaching very seriously um because I know what I expect out of a coaching relationship and you know, it's the my biggest frustration is well it's it maybe it's not a frustration it's more of a you know just something stupid in our society you get these people who, you know, they come in, you know, January 1st and they start working out and great. I'm glad you're in the gym. It's wonderful. Progress. But then they see somebody like you or me or Morgan and they're all, oh, I want to do what they're doing. So they ask a question, are you a power lifter? How do I get involved in that? So you point them towards those things and then they end up doing their first meet. Right after that first meet, you see in their in their bio, DM for online coaching. I'm like, mother of the... <laughs> yeah, you're seeing a lot of that with uh, bodybuilders, too. They they went a local show, and next, next thing you know, they're... Just DM me, dude. I'll write you a meal plan. It's, I know exactly what to do. <laughs> yeah, bless your heart. 
I know what I did and it'll work for you because all meal plans are universal. Yep. So yeah, I, I, so I had a number of people when I was back in California ask me about, you know, whether or not I would help them with coaching or no, no. If you want to come in and be a part of our crew, absolutely come in. You can learn collectively from the group, but um, I'm not, I, I take it way too serious, you, you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I don't see what I want to see from you. And I don't want to take the time of frustration that it's going to fall on me when I see you lollygagging and, you know, jerking around. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one kid in California that I start. he was a 16 year old kid and he was, you know, probably a 145 or, you know, small kid, but he was relatively strong and, um, you know, I was helping him out with some technique things. And then he seemed like he had the kind of drive to really want to, you know, to be what I was looking for in an athlete. That's, that sounds a little selfish and self-centered, but you know, you want certain kinds of clients to to work with because you know that it's going to be beneficial for them. And ultimately, you know, that's the goal is to help them get the outcomes that they're looking for. Absolutely. Working with him for maybe a month and I had to drop him because he came up to me after, you know, I gave him a program. He's all, so where am I going to be able to get some gear? Because I, I, I think that if I'm going to get, if I'm going to get to the next level, if I'm going to set the teenage world records, I, I just need, I need an edge. I'm like, you've been lifting for three months. Why would you think that shoving a bunch of steroids in your arm or your butt or your quad is going to get you to the next level? Sure. It's going to work, but you don't know what you're messing with. So I dropped him and then, you know, didn't coach anybody else until I got, got out here in Montana and I've been, and I kind of fell into it. Um, I train over at, uh, at iron barn, um, on the East side of town. Um, and the gym owner's son, great kid, um, 13, 14 years old, but he is, um, he's, you know, autistic high functioning autism but he's still autistic so to work with him it was a new new kind of challenge you know and so trying to take all the cues that i've i've used with guys that i've worked with in my crew or just you know giving people advice on you know like when you're squatting okay we're gonna open our knees and we're gonna sit back into the gear uh, or, you know, you really drive with your legs to get your touch point on your chest for the bench up higher and all these little things. But that doesn't resonate with, you know, an autistic kid. So I'm having to go back to my early days as a dad and, you know, all the things are okay, you know, open up your mouth. Here comes the airplane, you know, and how you're being. So you had to change a lot of your, you know, cues and messaging to meet the client that you're, that you're working with. And, you know, he's got some friends. So I I'm training right now. I'm training about four, four teenagers, um, at the right. early stages of powerlifting. And, you know, when we get some people who are looking to you either get into powerlifting or take the next step into powerlifting, they find our gym. And then, you know, I end up having a, you know, a conversation with them and, you know, we'll go from there. 
Right on. Are, it's, are, most, are most of those guys at Iron Barn that you're doing that training for? Or do you do like also like the online stuff too? I haven't done a whole lot of online. I don't market myself as an online coach. I can uh, work with people. Um, you know, it just depends on on what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what I wanted to look for. And I mean, I can write your program all day long and twice on Sunday. But you're better off going to Elite FTS and looking into the looking at their library of old programs, and you're gonna find the same thing. Save your money. Mm-hmm. I mean, but if you want true online coaching, there's a commitment, you know, send me your progress. Like I know how it is with you. You know, all right, you know, send me your check-in, you know, what show me, show me your your progress pictures. How are you feeling around, you know, what you were eating? You know, what was your any energy levels throughout the day? Those are the things that I want from, from my clients. You know, send me the videos of your main movements. I, you know, because you're not paying me because, you know, you just need a program. You're paying me because you want to progress. You want to get mm-hmm. better. You want my, my experience and my knowledge. So how can I, you know, do you want to do that? Yes. Okay. And this is what I require. If you can't meet those needs, it's not because I don't like you. I, I, my time is too precious and I'll cut you off you know, real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your, your clients you have now, is it, do they have any meets coming up shortly or you got, you got anybody that you're like, yeah, we got, on right now? we got a, we got a couple of things that we're working on. I'm, I've got uh APO nationals that are going to be hosted here in Billings, uh, in June. Oh. So I'm, I'm prepping for, for that. We have a young lady who is, is she 14 or 15? Um, she's the world record holder in her age weight class for squat deadlift in total. And she's five pounds off of her bench and she'll be competing in the Montana state high school, na- uh, high school state championship in I think three weeks, three or four weeks, beginning of, uh, March. Damn. Okay. Yeah, nice Haley Sedgwick. She's she's awesome. Good kid. Great family too. That's re- that's really cool. How, how's uh how's my man Nick doing? That's the real question. Nick is Nick's doing great. He um he had a an, a late night arm wrestling practice on Saturday, mm-hmm. and I had texted him earlier in the week said, "Hey, Sunday's Sunday's a big bench day. I'd love to see if you'd come over and and help me out because there's." I, because I train and compete in multiply powerlifting, there's a process to getting into all this gear that that we have to put on. I mean, you figure you're wearing a a tight multiply polyester, you know, basically straight jacket, and I can get it pretty far on my body, but in order to get it to seat right in the arms, be right in the tricep, and have the right tension across the chest. You need someone to really grab the back and help you swim into it. And I mean, I'm going to make a whole, you know, video tutorial about how to get into a bench shirt or how to make sure that your squat suit is properly seated in your hips and crotch and all that fun stuff. So, um, so after his late night arm wrestling practice, he had committed to coming over Sunday morning to help, you know, to help me bench. Um, and sure enough, 
he was there bright-eyed and bushy-tailed you know i just love seeing his passion for strength sports you know it's it's very very you know yeah you know uh, addictive you know you're just like mm-hmm. when i because when i came when i first came to to montana and met him he was training for a strongman event but he was he was ply curious he was interested in multiply power lifting that's <laughs> ply curious <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so then when i got there then he you know said okay i'm gonna do this meet in april and that was you know the apf nationals and I had, had only been in town for four months. And so when I moved, I had already committed to to assisting at the meet versus actually competing in the meet. Um, and just to watch Nick to be present on the platform, uh, to handle him, to make sure that he had the day that he wanted to was, you know, just great. And then of course he, you know, he found arm wrestling and he is all in, he's like, you know, the most all in arm wrestler you could ever want to you, know, you ever want to be and he's just eating it up you know any little thing that he can do that's gonna try and get him better he's putting in the work and it's very cool to see so you're next for arm wrestling right fuck no <laughs> i had nope. no idea it was like that big of a sport but like i i, I swear it just keeps popping up everywhere now like it seems to, yeah no it it's been going on forever i mean god you were back in the in the 90s maybe the late 80s where there was that movie with arnold not arnold uh with sylvester stallone over the top that was all about arm wrestling and he was oh, like a truck that. driver oh yeah over the top when you get a when you get a moment and you want to watch a really bad movie yeah, he's he's got his oh. trucker hat he turns it around backwards when it's getting ready to come on it's arm wrestle okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. up here in the plains you know the high plains it's huge huge like eastern really? eastern montana the dakotas nebraska um uh northern colorado it's huge in this area i i feel i i feel like in this area too it's like I, I don't want to call it obscure sports, but it's stu- it's stuff like that, and then like wrestling. You don't see that's like very big and like other. Oh, yeah. It's 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 like the corn fed like sort of sport. You know what yeah. I mean? Just it, it's just huge. That sort of shit's just huge. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you you say. I mean, those corn fed uh, type. I didn't have that growing up in in the Bay Area. I like I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to play football. And even though we did have a a football team, I had an overprotective mom. um, So I did not get into football, but I definitely wanted to wrestle. We didn't have wrestling offered at our, at our high school. Um, And then, you know, I'm conservative. I, yeah, right. (laughs) I was big into volleyball. I mean, that was, you know, the late eighties, early nineties. So you had, you know, beach volleyball coming on to the scene in the Olympics and you had the St. John Smiths and all the, the badass old school volleyball players that I just idolized and being, you know, a, a six foot, nothing white boy with no hops. I had no chance on, you know, being a, a decent volleyball player, <laughs> but I loved it so much and we didn't have a high school team. So I ended up having to coach the girls team, you know, so I was an assistant coach with that and it was, it was a blast. So I just, I, I all circling back to, you know, you know, the coaching question is 
I love seeing people get the outcomes that they desire. Whether I'm selling you a software that's going to help your business operate more efficiently, or if I'm going to provide you some help in the gym that's going to allow you to hit your personal goals uh, and personal records, you know that's that's what it's about for me. It's just helping you get to the outcome that you desire. That's that's what we need more of, man. I I feel I feel like the whole fitness space a lot of times nowadays, especially with like just social media in general, it's it's just a cash cow. Yes, it's, people just go for it. It's, it, it and I would me. say that it goes back before social media, because if you think about when we were in high school, just coming up, getting interested in strength sports, and you think about, you know, the muscle and fitness magazines or the weeder magazines, mm-hmm. all those were just, you know, they were actual true magazines. They're a big advertisement. You know, they're all owned by, by weeder, by, you know, enter, you know, name of giant, you know, not pharmaceutical, but, you know, sports industry, nutrition, you know, thing. And they're the ones that own these magazines that we're spending five, six, seven dollars a magazine a month on. You're just, oh my gosh, did you see Arnold's bicep in the latest, you know, edition of you know muscle and fitness? He was amazing. Oh, he's got these things called Arnold presses and they just destroy your shoulders. Come on. I mean, we've the the fitness industry has been so you know bastardized and been this money grab for Let's go back to the USDA. Let's, you know, when they first put out the nutrition pyramid, let's look at the history of that. Was it done out of the best interest of our nutrition? Hell no. It was done because there is a Seventh-day Adventist who was on that board and they didn't like meat. You know, oh, meat's bad, meat's the enemy. So we're going to put that at the, you know, the middle to high tier so you don't eat too much of it. Really? Come on. Let's look at some science here. I mean, the, the food pyramid hadn't been updated in what, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Something like that. Yeah. With all the science progression that we've had, you'd think that that would maybe want to match, but no, we we don't want to do that because there's no way to... Mm, I'm getting onto a political rant. Sorry. You're good. <laughs> yeah, there was some article I saw, I think it was like last week or something, that um, it's like you shouldn't eat more than like 80 grams of protein a day. Yeah. I think is what I saw. I'm like, dude, that's like what I eat in a meal <laughs> right now. <laughs> like who, who can survive on that? Uh, I know. I, I just know for me, when I am in, when I'm in meat prep and I have my, and I, when I'm in meat prep, I don't get, I don't get bodybuilder esque around my meal plan, mm-hmm. I try and limit it. I try and dumb it down as much as I can to eating how, you know, one gram of protein per body weight that I want to, um, I want to compete at. So if I want to compete at 242, I'm going to try and get 240 plus grams of protein in a day. And that's what I'm going to prioritize. And I'll have to eat my protein until I'm full. And then if I have any room left over to add in any carbs or whatever, then I'll, you know, I'll add those in after the fact. But my dietary restrictions are a little bit different than the average bear because 10 years ago I had weight loss surgery. 
So I went from, you know, being able to eat anything and everything that I wanted to, you know, shit, I'm going to, I'm going to die if I don't make a, you know, a significant change because, you know, when you're overweight, you, you know, you're looking for a magic bullet, you know, is this diet going to be the one, you know, oh, maybe I should intermittent fast, or maybe I should do keto. And, you know, so you, you, I have a lot of experience jumping on a lot of, you know, crash fad diets that never produced lasting results because in our society, how do we celebrate monumental events with a meal? Right. So, oh, it's, you know, it's Alex's birthday. Oh, let's get together at Texas Roadhouse and have a nice big meal. And then we'll celebrate with a, you know, a brownie Sunday. Right. <laughs> And so you yeah. take that over to weight loss or, all right, I, you know, I'm doing weight watchers and I, I hit my 10%, you know, goal of losing weight. Let's go celebrate. Oh, well, I kind of blew it out a little bit. I had a 20 ounce Porter state porterhouse and, uh, you know, all the fixings and, you know, five whiskey sours. Okay. I'll get back on tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and you're a little hungover and you just want, you know, greasy spoon breakfast. And you're, oh, okay, well, maybe for lunch. And then, you know, a day turns into a week, turns into a month, turns into a year. And you're like, fuck, I just gained, you know, 10% plus another 10% back. So I've gone, you know, from this, you know, 350 down to 145 up to 450 and all around. You were 450 pounds at one point? At Yep. At my, at my heaviest, I was 450 pounds. And that's, and if you look at any of my, you know, my, my documented, um, you know, goals, they all are related to my heaviest weight. So on the platform, I have three goals. One, I would hit a 2000 pound total. I wanted to hit it before I'm 50, but, uh, my next opportunity is going to be the day after I turn 50. So we'll just kind of keep it there. But that's just kind of a big one. I threw that out before I really knew what I, what a two thousand pound total looked like, mm-hmm. and then I, I you know, so I said, really, you think you're going to get a two thousand pound total? Well, yeah, why not? I'm, you know, I'm big and strong. I can get there. He's like, yeah, but you're two forty two. Everyone's hitting two thousand pound totals. They're at least two seventy five or or bigger. I'm like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> So that was, yeah. So I've been chasing that one ever since I, you know, put my hand back on a bar. Uh, but then on bench press, I want to hit a 450 bench press because that is on the platform and because it's the most, it's the same that I weighed. And then I want to hit a 900 pound total or a 900 pound squat because that's twice what my, you know, so for anybody else, completely arbitrary. And if you look at the records, you know, for weight class or age or whatever, uh, those are nowhere near, you know, records. But for me, and for I would say the majority of people who compete and lift, all the records that we do are all personal records of things that we're trying to do. So we're internally motivated to try and hit a goal that we've set for ourselves, and hopefully it's tied to something that is, you know, personally meaningful enough to keep that drive and interest to to push forward. Because there's going to come times where you're bored, you're tired, you're fatigued, you're injured, overtrained, whatever. And then to get back into, you know, finding that passion can be hard. You know, Mm -hmm. I kind of dealt with that this last, this last year of all this change of 
relocating to a different state and establishing where we're going to do life and, you know, what's our grocery store going to be, you know, where are we going to go? You know, what's our, our regular restaurant going to be where, you know, all these things that seem, you know, arbitrary enough when you're in day-to-day life, but when it's pulled from you and you have to reset it up, it takes, it, it takes a toll and you just kind of feel, you know, a little bit lost. And, you know, so I, I'm, I love seeing, you know, you and Morgan, you know, post, you know, things to your story of, Oh, we found our coffee shop. I'm like, oh, I love that. I love that. I know that feeling. You know, he's like, all right. So like, it's almost like a little bit of home and it's, you know, all right, this has been settled. It's like, you know, you want, you know, Saturday morning, you wake up and you have all these chores you got to do. And, you know, I got to clean the house and make the bed and clean up the yard and, when you get done with all that, you're like, huh. so it's kind of that, that same feeling of, of being settled when you find those little things. So, uh, it's only been in probably the last, you know, two, three months that I've really kind of found my focus and passion again for, for competing and lifting because life happens. You know, mm-hmm. you, you move, you lose a job, you're looking for a new job. Uh, all those things are, you know, they weigh really heavy on on your mind. So thinking about sitting down on a, you know, Sunday afternoon to write out a program. Why? What does it matter? I don't know. I don't have a, you know, a restaurant to go to. I don't want to have to go to Winco again. I don't want to have to go to Albertsons and not find the meats that I'm looking for. <laughs> Just all kinds of stupid shit. How, how do you think it's, I mean, 450 pounds is, is a hell of a, is a hell of a body weight for sure. How, how do you think that your journey from your heaviest now, now down to where you at now, like, did, do you just hate hearing excuses? <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like making that big of a journey like that, it's, that's a hell of a feat, man. Yeah. It, it it was it was absolutely wild and you know so you go years and years of you know these yo-yo diets where you lose 50 pounds you gain 75 you lose 100 you gain 125 and i just got sick and tired of being sick and tired i got sick of the the excuses that i would tell myself you know oh you know i'll i'll, I'll work out later or i'll get back on tomorrow you know, for a fat guy, I'm relatively heavy or relatively healthy. You know, I'm pre-diabetic. I have sleep apnea, which is co- contributing to my epilepsy and all these things. But overall, I'm, you know, I'm I'm pretty healthy. You know, all these things, stupid. So, you know, I had gone through the weight loss program. So in California, they have a one of their bigger hospital systems is Kaiser Permanente. And to understand how Kaiser makes money, they make money by keeping people healthy as opposed to, you know, the majority of, of industry where they make money for selling products and service, but you know, they're preventative maintenance kind of, you know, organization. So they have all kinds of wellness programs around, you know, how to eat better and how to lose weight without surgery and how to do, you know, all these mental health and all designed to help keep their people, you know, their members, you know, healthy. Mm -hmm. Weight loss surgery kind of, you know, got this, you know, silver bullet 
type, um, you know, reputation where, oh, you just have weight loss surgery and you'll, you know, just lose all the weight. And it's amazing. Well, there's got to be more to it than just that. So with Kaiser, they have a six month program where you really have to get in and understand what is entailed in the surgery process. So we've seen the process that we've seen it from, you know, start to finish, what it looks like, you know, visualize the surgery, understood what the impacts were going to be post-op and, and all these things and the challenge that you're going to have to deal with. So you're able to make a very well-informed decision. And one thing that people don't talk enough about or impress enough about is cross-addiction when it comes to weight loss surgery because most people who are get to the point of having weight loss surgery or considering weight loss surgery it's not just the physical attributes of being morbidly obese or whatever there are so many mental you know impacts that we have to address and unpack because we have used food as an antidepressant without knowing that we're using it as an antidepressant for years and years and years. Mm. So if you go from, you know, 450 pounds and then you cut out 90% of my stomach, I can't sit down and have a 2000 calorie meal anymore. I just physically do not have the space. So you have to learn how to be open to, you know, eating different and being different. For me, I wasn't a big drinker when I was, you know, 450 pounds. Sure, I enjoy, you know, a couple beverages and, you know, have one too many and wear the wobbly boots from time to time. But it wasn't a part of my daily life until after I had the weight loss surgery. Because what I would find is that I would, you know, my evening routine uh, was to come home from work, have dinner with the family. My wife would go upstairs about seven o'clock and go to bed. I would take care of the kids, put them to bed, and then stay up until seven, eight, or nine, 10, 11, whatever, just watching the news, being, you know, being Eric. Well, when you sit there from eight, until 11 after everybody's gone to bed you can get a little bored you start getting into your feels you know ah my heart's hurting a little bit let's get some ice cream down the ice cream and before you know it you got a you know half gallon of ice cream gone you know and then you open up a you know bag of chips and you know so there you got two you know a thousand calories going on at night and that you didn't know but when you don't have the physical room to put that in you start looking for other ways to address those, those, you know, that mental anxiety and those, those feelings. So I'm like, well, if I can't eat my feelings away, it's been six months since surgery. I can go ahead and have a glass of wine or five. And that became, that became the normal because I couldn't eat my feelings, but I could certainly drink them. And so that, you know, kind of snowballed, so I was still losing weight. I mean, I went from, you know, when I started the program at Kaiser, I was 450 pounds. Come surgery day, I was 390 pounds because they wanted you to eat to plan. Mm -hmm. um, 
for a certain, just so you get used to it to make sure that you were capable of, of doing that stuff. And then mm-hmm. the weight started just falling off. I mean, I was losing anywhere from 25 to 50 pounds a month. I mean, it was literally, literally falling off me. And I had, there was one day I was probably four or five months out from surgery <clears throat> And my boss at the time said, man, you're doing so great losing all this weight, but you got to stop losing weight because your skin is hanging off your bones. I mean, I just had jowls hanging down because my skin hadn't snapped back just yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, I'm at a, a company business trip, well, a president's reward trip. Uh, for hitting all of our sales numbers and uh, drank way too much one night. <clears throat> the next morning, we were supposed to go on an, an excursion. And one of my buddies said, oh, man, I need to hair the dog. I'm like, what's that? And, you know, mind you, I'm you know almost you know, 35 years old and I'd never heard of the hair of the dog. So I felt kind of stupid. And uh, he's like, oh, it's a drink in the morning after a hard day of drinking. But like, oh, you could do that. That sounds pretty good. You mean that's normal? No one's going to frown on me? So that just opened up the doors for my alcoholism. So I, 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 I don't think that I took a sober breath after realizing that I could have a drink in the morning and call it a hair of the dog. So the next 18 months was, you know, pretty much a blur, you know, of, you know, how are you going to deal with a bad marriage and, you know, the stress of job and life and all that? Um, you know, without having food or alcohol to, you know, take away all the, the pain because it's surely too much to ask for me to deal with my problems without that. Gosh, just let me drink myself into oblivion. Dude. Wow. I, dude, I, I had no idea. So now I'm, um, in August, it'll be, uh, nine years, nine years since I've had a drink. That's that's really awesome, man. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. So it's, Dude, been, it's been it's been a blast. What did do you feel like? Kind of power? Did powerlifting have any sort of effect on like helping you go like go stay sober? I guess or really really make a change for yourself like that? Or I would say it's a tool. Um, that I've yeah. definitely leveraged. Um, it's funny is that everybody, you know, kind of going back to, you know, uh, you know, comment I made earlier about people looking for a silver bullet, mm-hmm. you know, powerlifting wasn't a silver bullet that helped me get sober, but it was definitely a tool when the anxiety and the mental burden of you know white knuckling you know the early days being able to get into the gym and just work out some of those those aggressions i don't know why i'm doing five am wraps in a row you know i I just know that i i feel like i have to do this otherwise i'm not going to be okay Mm -hmm. but you know for me getting over the drinking I, i can you know give hundred percent of the credit to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, it got me out of myself, got me to take accountability for 
my side of the street in my life and reconnect me with God. So, mm-hmm. you know, between those things there, you know, it's just kind of clear, you know, it's been that that tank, you know, that's pushed all the garbage to the sides of the street to allow me to easily deal with it and say, all right, now I got a clear, clear path forward. I don't need to pick up all the garbage that I've laid down. Let's just keep, you know, progressing forward and you know, having the the gym to be able to reinforce, you know, the good things in my life that have come from getting sober is is you know a blessing that keeps me coming back to the gym. Dude, how how has your yeah how how's the weight loss surgery itself? Has that kind of affected like anything you actually do in the gym or anything like performance wise or anything like that? Performance, no. Okay. Where where I can compete, and I say where, as in what weight classes I can compete in, mm-hmm. is been really the the only thing that the weight loss surgery has has affected. <clears throat> gotcha. Be, because of my you know my physical limitations of my stomach, I can't consume you know, large meal. So if I got a wild hair up my butt and said, gee, I really want to compete at super heavyweight, which is 308 plus, I'm, you know, pretty much shit out of luck unless I want to eat, you know, heavy whipping cream protein shakes all day long, you know, with, you know, two scoop, two tablespoons of peanut butter mixed in, in order to get enough calories, you know, I've done it. It's miserable. Um, yeah, because I don't have the the space for for that to you know to expand in my stomach. Mm-hmm. So that's been the one limitation. <clears throat> when I moved out here, I was competing, you know, two forty two, two seventy five, and I was you know able to maintain. I was able to eat enough to maintain that weight class. But then coming out here and not being as diligent about my training, you know, because you're trying to establish life and we already kind of talked about, you know, the, the focus and passion, um, you know, being key to keeping things progressing forward. Um, Brain fart. That thought lost me. That's what you, this is what you had to look forward to when you get to be uh, 50 years old. (laughs) <laughs> uh, don't worry dude my cte football has already kicked in so <laughs> we're getting used to it <laughs> oh yeah the, the, going back to the 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 weight loss surgery and does it affect performance no i haven't had now i because i haven't had you know the the dedicated training and when i don't have dedicated training my focus on nutrition tends to fall off a little bit so i'm I'm all the way down. Well, actually, with you know, between that and the flu that we got earlier uh in the winter, <clears throat> I think I got all the way down to 209. And I'm back up to about 220-ish right now. I don't want to compete there because none of my gear fits properly when I'm, you know, competing that, you know, and I just really don't want to spend another, you know, thousand bucks on, you know, powerlifting gear and then pray that I can, you know. I can break it in before meet time. What what made you choose the uh, like equipped lifting versus unequipped? Uh, who doesn't want to be a part of you know voodoo and magic? Um, <laughs> so when I found out about you know multiply powerlifting, <clears throat> I was training at Mark Bell's gym in Sacramento, 
<laughs> and he had his little team, you know, so Mark had a, a you know, a, a fantastic world-class powerlifting gym and it was free. It, you know, you can come in on what, uh, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday, you know, from, you know, some open hours. <laughs> But if you showed commitment and you weren't just a gym, you know, a you know, a, I'm gonna say a gym bro, but if you weren't just going to to go get a like if you showed some interest in powerlifting, they you know would invite you to be a part of the the powerlifting team, you know, that Mark Bell had. Mm-hmm. And Mark wasn't necessarily coaching, but he was always there and he would point out, you know, things. And so for those who don't know who Mark Bell is. He's, you know, uh, a world record holder, you know, equipped power lifter who's transitioned over into more general fitness um, and whatnot. But Mark knows, knows his stuff. He's a, you know, a powerhouse in, in this industry. But mm-hmm. we had a guy coming out to visit from Tennessee and he was a small guy, maybe a 220, 5'3", soaking, you know, you know, just short, you know, short little guy. And so he's, you know, working out with us and we're, it's bench day. So he, he's coming in and he's, you know, doing 405 for, you know, three, four reps. I'm like, not bad for, for a shorter guy. And then he pulls on this black shirt. I'm like, what in the hell is he doing? Now, mind you, I just saw him rep out 405 for, you know, three, four reps. Mm -hmm. And then they load up 675 on the bar. I'm like, some, you know, do we have a midget coming in? Morgan, I would like some coffee over here, please. Thanks, Um, and so I see him sliding on the shirt, and then they're loading up the bar for 675. I'm like, he's not really gonna try this, is he? This is this is crazy. Sure enough, he's got this shirt on, they put a board on his chest, and he takes 675. To a two board after I just watched him rip out 405. Uh, what 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 did you what did you just do? What black what is exactly? I'm like, what is that voodoo? Because I need I need some of that in my life. And <laughs> so he's all, oh, it's a bench press shirt, and you're blah blah blah. He's all here, why don't you give it a try? Okay, well, I'm dumb enough, you know, to try out, throw it on. You know, mind you, at the time I was about a you know two fifty, two seventy five raw bencher. Put me in the shirt. They load up three sixty five. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I've never held that much. I've never held three plates over my face, let alone three plates out of twenty five. So I'm like, you know, I'm getting into my feels and my scares. I'm I'm a little nervous. Take bring it and it pops right back up. I'm like, oh, I'm hooked. I am absolutely hooked because I want you know. There's always that that ego lifter in the back of my mind, and I don't care who you are or how long you've been training. Ego lifting is a part of, you know, we always want to see if we can do a little bit more. Oh. Mm-hmm. I just I just did you know ten plates on the leg machine you know, on the leg press for for twelve reps. I wonder if I can go twelve plates or if I can go you know twenty reps. You know, we're always trying to you know. So the gear allowed me to scratch that that ego lift without feeling completely wrecked for two, three days after the fact, because 
I'm, you know, as a, you know, 40 year old guy, I'm training with and in training crews with guys who are in their early to mid twenties. So they're able to push their bodies further than I was just because they could recover faster than I could. Mm -hmm. So when I got into gear, I felt like I was able to keep up with them you know, from a recovery standpoint, now, mind you, I was lifting, you know, good 20, 30, 40% more than equal guys in my weight class. But I, you know, the protection on my hips, the protection on my shoulders. So I wasn't feeling like, you know, after a bench day that my arms are just, you know, dangling by, you know, by my rotator cuffs or labrum or something. So that was, that's kind of how I got into it. And I, you know, I, I, I kind of like to be, you know, march to the beat of a different drum of my own drum. Nobody at super training ever wanted to get into gear and that's, that was fine. So I found some other guys who were crazy like me and wanted to get into gear. And so we you know ended up at another gym and, you know, taken from there, we, I was the first guy multiply to show up at Alan Thrall's untamed strength gym in Sacramento. Mm. By the time I left three years later and moved out to Montana, we had a crew of 15 multiply power lifters that were, you know, they were driving, you know, some of them were driving upwards of an hour and a half, two hours from the Bay, from, you know, Tahoe, just so they could be around other guys training in gear. It's been a blast. I, I can't say there's a better, there's a better reason to get into it than training with or taking stuff from Mark Bell himself. So yeah. I think you win. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and Mark, and I'll tell you, Mark's a terrible coach. He's the great guy. He's got, he's got an eye, but Mark, and he'd probably say this, he's a little ADHD. Okay. So he, you know, he, and he's a business owner, you know, he's doing, you know, he's doing, you know, big thing. He's not a gym bro anymore. He's, you know, he's leveled up in his life. Um, so when we're all training, when the team's training, he will walk in, you know, doing something, you know, something else. He might be getting ready to film content or brainstorming or something, you know, come over and he'll say, okay, um, that was good. You might want to, you know, you know, tuck your shoulder, your tuck your elbows a little bit sooner on, on your press, or you want to push your knees out a little bit wider. And then he's gone. You know, wait, uh, no, I want you to help me. Yeah. No, wait, did I do it right? Coach? Did I do it right? Yeah. But that that's not, you know, that's not Mark's forte. You know, he can point something out, but then he's, you know, on to, you know, many other things. I, I, I have so much respect for Mark Bell as a businessman, as a, as a human, because he's taken his lot in life of, you know, being dyslexic and ADHD and all these, you know, learning disabilities. And he never let it, you know, kind of define him and keep him in a box. He's like, well, Hulk Hogan, that's my idol. You know, he, you know, says his prayers, takes his vitamins and he's big and strong. So that's how I'm going to be. And he just, you know, he went on that path and now he's, you know, one of the biggest names in, you know, fitness industry that we know. The king of carnivore himself too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Of all your diets, have you tried the carnivore? I have. I have. It's, I, 
I can do it. But if you can get the problem, is, I don't say problem. The challenge is getting through the first two weeks. Mm. And one thing that's not said enough <clears throat> from the media, and I think most people who are in the know around nutrition and sports performance, they understand that everybody is different. <clears throat> There's everybody has different conditions have different, you know, abnormal, 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 different, you know, afflictions. Mm -hmm. Carnivore is really good for people with autoimmune diseases and disorders Absolutely. because it removes a lot of the, you know, the fluff that's triggering their, their outbreaks. For the general human, I would say that, you know, carnivore is beneficial but there's still benefits that you can get from some carbs, some fats that you need to be at your ultimate performance. So when my wife will run keto or carnivore, I will run it alongside of her, but I always, you know, have, you know, some rice in, in the fridge or I'll make a baked potato or a yam or something just so I can get some clean burning carbs in my diet and she can stay, she can stay on hers. We're right on. I, it's, I did keto like a long time ago when I got done playing football. Yeah, like that, that was good for like just some like initial weight loss. I think I lost like 40 pounds at the time that I was also doing like chicken and broccoli. And that was it. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine trying to do something like carnivore and tr trying to, trying to perform highly. You know what I'm saying? Like the, I'll, I'll get some kids that are playing football right now. They're like, well, I, I, I've been, I watched this one documentary and it kind of sounds like carnivore keto is the best way to go. Or I'll, I want to do vegan when I'm done. I'm like, what? Who, yeah. who's who is giving you kids information about how to be be an athlete or train train in the weight room or what to eat it's i think it's i think it's there's an that's an interesting you just brought brought a thought to my mind <clears throat> i wonder if societally we are constantly looking for a way to be involved to be a part of, to have an identity. It's so easy to get caught up in, I'm a power lifter and my name is Eric Rosberg versus I am Eric Rosberg and I compete in powerlifting. Mm -hmm. Right? So the identity becomes what you see I want you to think that you see a power lifter versus seeing me as Eric Rosberg because Eric Rosberg, I'm fallible. I'm imperfect. I need a savior. I need all these things. And if I'm not okay with who I am, I have to latch on to some kind of identity, whether it's powerlifting. Oh, I do keto. And it sort of becomes an identity. And then mm -hmm. in some diets, it almost becomes a religion. Yeah, you know, because in you know, like, and I and I, not to throw vegans under the bus, but vegans, vegetarians, they tend to take a more ideological perspective on eating the way that they're eating versus 
<clears throat> this is what's good for my body. This is what's going to fuel my performance. And if we can start thinking about nutrition as a way to fuel our performance and get us to the goals that we want, whether it's staying awake all day during work without having to have a power nap or a cup of coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. or, you know, I need, you know, some pre-workout at four o'clock to get me through my evening training session. We don't need any of that. Sure, it helps, but we don't need to have any of that. And we don't need to identify, you know, define our personal identity in, you know, a powerlifting program, in, you know, a diet program. Just be comfortable in your own skin and do the things that you love to do, like lifting weights or eating right or whatever it might be. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, I, every, I think everybody gets away from what, like, j- just the basis of what they're trying to do. It's like, why, why are you here? Why, why, why are you playing football right now? Well, to be the best football player or to be the best bodybuilder, you know, it's like improving the gym. Like that, that should be it. That should all you be caring about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I absolutely agree. Is I, I think I think it's just so hard because every I feel like every there there's just so many different agendas or different information that's posted about you know it's just like well what's correct nobody actually knows because it sounds like everything actually kind of works it's, everything's context dependent too exactly one guy that I <clears throat> he's a little brash. Um, but I very much respect how he approaches nutrition science. Um, it's Dr. Lane Norton. You probably know him. Yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Everything that he talks about on his, you know, YouTube, you know, Instagram, whatever, everything that he's talking about, he's backing up with peer-reviewed science reports. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is what the study says, and this is the quality of the study. So someone who's, you know, coming into it and looking at it all, uh, you mean I'm, I can't take this magic pill and instantly, you know, lose all this weight? I can't take Ozempic and, you know, instantly be skinny or, you know, sure. whatever. Uh, yeah, me, I, I thought that it was interesting at first. I'm like, and, you know, so I started looking into it and there, it is Gary, some of the 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 side effects um, that can come of that if you're doing it inappropriately, mm-hmm. it it makes me very 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 nervous. Mm-hmm. It's, I it's I, it's just, if it's if it hasn't been around like long enough, like it's I just don't see the merit in anything until there's like at least maybe like five ten years of research on it. Those, we can go into shit about COVID vaccines too, about that sort of stuff. Yeah, right, 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 right. I mean, that's who knew that we were going to, this was going to be like a, you know, a societal review of America right now and all the problems. <laughs> but <clears throat> why, if, if we've done all these peer reviewed studies, and really done the research to understand the impact and you know what's going to what these vaccines medications can treat 
why do we have such the need to feel like, oh, we got to create a new vaccine to meet the the COVID you know demand? First of all, why don't we look at some of the past treatments that we have available to us to treat the symptoms that we see from COVID? Regardless of how it got here, whether it came from, you know, a wet lab in Wuhan or, you know, somebody ate a bad bat, I don't freaking care. But if you're having respiratory issues, if you're having these issues and ivermectin treats those symptoms, hmm, why not use a 40-year-old drug? Exactly. Why not use a 40-year-old drug to, to meet the need? And then you can work on something that's, you know, that meets it more specifically, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because, you know, this isn't a new vaccine. (sighs) I'm with you, buddy. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, um, do, do you have a client to train at nine today? I do not actually. I have to go yep. in, and this will be the first day that I have to put put a squat suit on. Have to? You mean get to right? No, I have to. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to be in it. I don't want to feel the. Yeah, th- this will be the first time I've been in a squat suit in uh, probably four or five months. Um, so I'm not looking forward to to getting used to the compression again. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it feels like when you get the straps completely up and cranked down and you start, you know, descending with that that big weight on your back, uh, the amount of pressure that builds up from the you know, from your knees mm. all the way up to the top of the straps just you know makes you feel like you know your head's gonna, you know pop off when you start getting towards the the bottom of that squat <laughs> oh yeah what what's your totals look like right now <clears throat> well my last competition was beginning in 2023 or end of 2022 and i had a 678 squat a 402 bench and a 703 deadlift so it's not terrible but I, I definitely got to get, if I can keep my, my deadlift at that 700 range and then add, you know, maybe a hundred, 150 to the squat and, you know, a hundred to the bench, I should be knocking on the door of that, that total that I'm looking for in June. Okay. Oh yeah. You got time, dude. Hell yeah. Be right there. Do you, do you have any specific goals with like your coaching this year or i i know i know we talked about like your 2000 total that you want but is there any other like specific goals that you're kind of shooting for this year from from you know training and lifting that's my only goal um you know is the 2000 pound total and you know the squat and bench um you know records mm-hmm. but from a training perspective or you know like a client perspective I want to get to the point where I have one other, you know, geared lifter that I can train or at least train with because, you know, misery loves company and, you know, multiply powerlifting is, you know, really a team, a team sport. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because I talked a little bit earlier about, you know, I had to have Nick come in and help get me into my bench shirt. Well, it's the same thing when, you know, you're squatting and deadlifting and not so much on deadlifting, but on squatting. It's not about getting into the gear, but we don't walk things out. So if I stand up with a squat, I'm not taking two steps back to get settled, you know, because I got 700 pounds on my back. So, well, you got 700 pounds. Plus, you got your knees wrapped up like a mummy, and then you're wearing a giant-ass diaper suit, so I'm not going to waddle my ass back three steps just to get clear of, you know, the hooks. That's why we have the monolift, so, Mm -hmm. yeah, just get me in a monolift and move the racks and, and, and let me squat, but if you fail in multiply, it happens so quick. And it could be so devastating that the amount of support that you need in training, just from a, a spotting perspective, you know, definitely, definitely increases. Yeah. So I would like to, you know, to ultimately, you know, start to to recruit and build, you know, a powerlifting, uh, a multiply crew, you know, in Billings. Um, so you know, we can just keep expanding, you know, this part of the sport. I th- that would be really cool, man. It's if anybody can put it together in Billings, Montana, it's it's definitely going to be you. So we're going to try. We're going to try. <laughs> well, uh, shit, dude. Dude, yeah. Do you got anything else you want you want to touch on? Um, I love you. Know, I want to go back to, to weight loss surgery for just a second, because for me, it was, it wasn't an easy decision, but for me, it was the best decision that I could have made. Now, mind you, going back to something that we had just talked about, you know, around finding our identity, Mm -hmm. weight loss surgery is no different, you know, because it's really easy to identify as a weight loss surgery patient or somebody who has radically, you know, transformed their, their health and through weight loss surgery, but it's just a tool, you know, our health journeys, our weight loss journeys, our strength journeys, our platform journeys, they all, you know, have to follow a process. And there's just a number of tools. Like if I walk into the gym today and say, all right, I want to be, you know, the, the best squatter. I want to be, I want to have the heaviest squat of all time. What do I have to do to get there? Well, it's not just, you know, walking up to a bar, standing up, squatting down and standing back up again. There's so many, you know, there's hours and hours of, you know, squats that you have to do, of accessories that you have to do, of food that you have to deal with. And, you know, all these, you know, recovery and massage and this and that, all that combined, you know, brings you to getting a bigger, ultimately the heaviest squat in in time. Now, if you flip that to weight loss, I'm 450 pounds. I'm never going to be in the 200s. I'm never going to see Wonderland of, you know, 199 Point nine 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 nine. I'm never going to see that. You know, but how do I get there? Well, you can have weight loss surgery, and that is a tool that reduces how much you can physically eat. 
Well, if you don't take that tool serious and refine what you're putting into your body, am I putting 87 octane in or am I putting 92 with some, you know, you know, Tecron or whatever additive to help me get over the hump? Uh-huh. You know, so that is how I think a lot of people need to really think about weight loss surgery. It's a hell of a great tool, but it is only a tool. You still have to do the work in the gym, refine your meal, refine your meal plan to find what's going to work for your body for whatever goals you're going to be. Whether you want to do CrossFit, whether you want to power lift, what if you just want to be, you know, you know, an active grandma, you know, to be able to bend down and pick up your your grandkids. Find the, you know, find the goal that you want to go and go after and then use the weight loss surgery and then use it as a tool to get you to, to those goals. Cause my life, I could have never thought that I would be, you know, almost 50 and being able to, you know, to, to bench, you know, on a regular basis, you know, four plates, mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, squat, you know, more than my son still. You know, there's there's just so many benefits that that I get out of being on this side of the weight loss surgery. I hell, I met my wife through weight loss surgery. She didn't have weight loss surgery, but I, you know, I'm passionate about the things that are giving me results, whether it's powerlifting or whether it's weight loss surgery. I want to help others with their with their journey. Yeah, so I got into helping other people in the Kaiser program to understand what they're going to expect when they go through the process, what they're going to expect on surgery day, what they're going to expect, you know, after surgery and getting on the other side of things. And so I had met another lady who was just as passionate as I was. We were both providing support to other weight loss surgery folks. And she said to me, you know, you you keep dating these crazy girls. You need, I I got, my best friend is, you know, so we got introduced and, you know, we're relatively like-minded. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't on the weight loss surgery, uh, you know, program. It didn't need to be, but that's kind of how, you know, we opened ourselves up to, you know, finding love again. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have weight loss surgery, get a bride. That that's uh I, I read that, that's such an important message too. It's like the weight loss surgery itself, it is a tool and I every, like you've already touched on a bunch of times, like everybody's always looking for like some sort of silver bullet or quick fix sort of deal for things mm-hmm. when, when it comes when it comes down to it at the end of the day it's again whether you're just a grandma trying to pick up her grandkids like it, it's always going to come down to what what you're doing with your food what you're doing with your training or whatever that looks like with your working out or it's gonna it's really going to come down to stress management and recovery too that everything everything else only builds on top of that sort of stuff so yeah yeah, I mean it's I mean it's the same thing as you drive out into eastern Montana, you know. I'm I going back to my desire to be a rancher someday. It'll probably never happen, but you know, you have to start somewhere. But you're driving out and you know, you meet a realtor. I'm gonna show you this 800 acre ranch out on you know out in Heisham on Sarpy Creek. It's gonna be amazing. You get out there and like, 
oh, this is really amazing. There's no buildings. There's no, no nothing. There's no infrastructure. All right. I want to build a ranch. So I need a barn. I need, you know, I need a house. I need, you know, storage. You know, so what are the tools that I need to fulfill my goal of being a rancher and having a ranch? Okay. I need these things. All right. So now I need some supplies. You know, I need some lumber. I need some hammers. I need some saws. I need these tools. They're going to help me get to where I am. It's no different with our fitness goals. All right. I'm 450 pounds. What are the tools that I need to build the brick shit house that I want to be uh, being, you know, sub 10, you know, 10% body fat, being able to squat, you know, said numbers. What are the tools? Okay. So weight loss surgery, that's one. Okay. My food is another strength training is another and sleeping is another and recovery, you know, so understanding how to use all the tools at your disposal to build the house that you're looking for is really where we need to be guiding our, our clients and, and, um, you know, our folks from my perspective. I think that's a good perspective to have. Yeah. (laughs) But all right, dude. Well, I don't want to keep you all more in here. You're a busy man. We try. (laughs) (laughs) So we try. Me, me too. I would like to say I try, but Morgan probably has a different opinion. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a list of things that you can try to do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe stop napping two hours a day, trying, trying to be a bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> so, something about trying to get to 300 pounds. It's, you get tired. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, shoot, dude, what, where, so it's people listening to this, where, where would be the best place to reach a man like you? I can be found on Instagram at eric.rossberg. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much wide open. I'm an open book as far as, you know, information, guiding you to, you know, finding resources on just starting out in powerlifting or getting down into, you know, the, you know, the wonderful world of, you know, multiply powerlifting. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here to, to help provide information or resources. Awesome. And you're at Iron Barn. That's what it is. I am. Yep. Iron Barn, uh, gym in, in Billings, Montana is, is where I call home and, Probably the, I don't want to say the only, well, it's the only true powerlifting slash strongman gym in Billings that's dedicated to just that. Mm -hmm. Last best place. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Awesome, man. Well, I I really appreciate you taking the hour and a half to pop on and talk society with me and powerlifting. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right, brother. Good talking to you. All right, my man, you have a fantastic day. All right, you too, bud. Bye. See ya. Bye.